You guys doing okay? Let's pray. Father, we give you this time. And we love you. We bless you as we see the sky changing. As we see the sun about to rise, we're reminded of how much you love us. God, bless this time. Lord, bless our lives as we refocus and rededicate ourselves to you this year because you rose from the grave. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, in the Bible it says, Matthew says that they came to the tomb at dawn. Mark says it was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James very early in the morning when the sun had already risen. That's interesting. And that coyote is already celebrating the resurrection. Luke recounts it was very early in the morning. John says Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early when it was still dark. So how do you put all these together? I think Mary must have been the athletic one. And so she got up early when it was still dark, like some of us did. We were here when it was like super dark. Because you know the darkest time of the day is right before the sun rises. It's actually the coldest time of day too. So it's only going to get warmer from here. But, um, but she probably got there early. And when she saw that the tomb was empty, there was actually a... An angel there like lightning is what it says. And so she must have freaked out over that. And then she turned around to run back. And then Jesus actually appeared to her. And then there was at some point where they all came together. The bottom line, though, is it was very early in the morning. It was the first day of the week. So it is traditionally Sunday, which is what we're doing today. And, um, And so that's why... The uh, Jews who got saved and became Christians went from a Sabbath type of worship, which, was a, which we would call classically a Saturday, to a Sunday. And why we are today with a Sunday because of what happened on this day. So Sunday became the day of worship because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, agree that there was an empty tomb on the first day of the week. All the Gospels account for this story as the transition and the transformation of Christianity. And as you guys know, every major magazine, every major newspaper in the world will have something about Easter. It is by far the greatest historical event of all time. Whether you're in New York City or in Papua New Guinea, there is news of the risen Christ today. And you join over a billion people around the world that are celebrating together. So you bundled up your kids and you came here today. You came as a family and you came and it's cold and, and, it's, uh, and it's a challenge to be here because Jesus Christ rose from the grave. C.S. Lewis, I love this quote. Listen to this quote by C.S. Lewis. The New Testament writers speak as if Christ's achievement in rising from the dead was the first event of its kind in the whole history of the universe. He is the first fruits, the pioneer of life. He has forced to open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. Everything is different because he has done so. Christ came, and we don't know exactly what happened, but what you've heard me speak of over the last few days is that I believe that on that day when Christ died, that he actually entered into hell. And when he entered into hell, he encountered Satan, 
that great demon of death. And he stole, he took away from Satan the keys of sin and death. And it opened up paradise to all of you. You now have access to paradise. And when, and when we go to meet the Lord, if the Lord tarries, immediately you're in paradise because of what Christ did that day. So something between Friday and Sunday, Christ in a mysterious way went in and he didn't, he didn't ascend to the Father. We don't believe he even ascended to the Father, but he actually took on Satan during those three days. And the reason we believe that is because later after he ascended, I mean, excuse me, after he had risen, before he ascended, he would not allow the disciples to touch him physically because he said he had not ascended to the Father. And then the next time we see him, uh, Thomas wants to touch his wounds, wants to touch his side because he's uh, doubting whether Christ is really physically risen from the grave. In other words, they're thinking, okay, he rose from the grave spiritually. It was some kind of a spiritual thing that he did. But then Jesus says, no, you can now touch my hands. You can touch the wounds on my side. And then he ate fish, as we talked about last night, um, at the Sea of Galilee. So somewhere between his resurrection and then his ascension 40 days later, he ascended to his father and he came back physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually risen from the grave. This morning, the great challenge before us, I believe, is Matthew 28. So Jesus has been on the earth now for 40 days. He's risen from the grave. And then he gives this challenge. He says this, Matthew 28, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now Jesus could not have said all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth if he hadn't risen from the grave. In other words, he could say he has authority on the earth. But now he could say all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You see, he entered into that fourth dimension, that spiritual realm, and then he broke free from that. And if you look over now to your right, you see this cross. It's empty. It's empty. He's not there. There's a tomb. They all ran to a tomb. They came to a tomb. And the tomb is empty. Believe it or not, it was empty. And the authorities would have gone and gotten the body and brought it forth if there was a body to be brought. I mean, they, more than anything else, the chief priests, the Pharisees, and the Roman authorities had gotten together the day after the crucifixion of Christ and said, put a Roman seal, put soldiers over the tomb. Because, because they're going to say he rose from the grave because he was always talking about rising from the grave and that what's going to happen is the disciples are going to come and steal the body. And they said, oh yeah, this is a good idea. So they put 50 Roman elite soldiers over the tomb. They put, they put a wax and a seal and a rope across the tomb right there and sealed it. And it was empty and it was broken. And if there was a body to be found, believe me, they would have found it. There was no body. There's an empty cross and there's an empty tomb. So all authority has been given to him. Men and women, all authority on heaven and earth if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior lives in you, that's power for healing. That's power for deliverance. That's power for forgiveness. That's power to, 
to, to work in your job and, and, and to do situations that are impossible. Now all things are possible for you because all authority in heaven and earth lives in you. And if you don't know Christ this morning, if you haven't personally become a disciple, I'm going to give you that chance to stand and, and give your heart to Christ and become a Jesus disciple. We don't even know in many cases what exactly all that means. We just know this. He rose on the third day, and all authority in heaven and earth is his. And it's ours in Christ. Greatest miracle of all time. And then he said this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Jesus is inviting us to be disciples and to make disciples. We get to make Jesus followers. We get to be Jesus followers. And at the road, we talk about building wholehearted disciples. And this word wholehearted is so important on Easter. Folks, most of us, isn't it true? We live half-hearted lives. We kind of give ourselves halfway to, to things in our life that we know are so valuable and so important. Jesus wants us to be wholehearted. But he's the only one that can empower us through his Holy Spirit to be wholehearted disciples. To give everything that we have to him daily. And so Jesus is commanding us to go and make disciples. But does that feel like it's sort of impossible most of the time? I mean, it does for me. I feel like so many times, I mean, I was so pumped last night because Duke won. <laughs> I went home and uh, my dad's alma mater, Duke. We, we, you got to understand, man, we, like, we, we grew up with Duke being like crummy, really crummy basketball team. And then Coach K came and, and it was almost like the savior of the world came to Duke University. But they won last night, right? And then Kentucky got beat. Yes, that was awesome too. But I, I noted myself. I looked at myself, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm so excited about the stupid Final Four. Who gives a rip? Next year, most people won't even remember who they were. Really. But we have Jesus Christ. And through his power, we can be excited about that. And you guys are here. Look at, look at us. We're all bundled up and we, and we made the effort to come because we're wholehearted disciples and we love him. But it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. So even Jesus, can you imagine this? Listen to this, you guys. If you think that sometimes you're not doing so well in your Christian life, these guys were with Jesus every day and he still doesn't trust them. He says this, you are witnesses of these things. This is Luke 24. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait, tarry. Some of your Bibles say tarry. Some Bibles say wait in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. So he doesn't even think they're ready. They've been with him for three and a half years every day, seeing, visually seeing the miracles. And he says, look, you're going to screw the whole thing up unless, unless you're empowered with the Holy Spirit. And so men and women, here this morning, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. 
We can't live the Christian life. You can't live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the remotest parts of the earth. The only way we can be disciple, the only way we can make disciples, the only way we can live as disciples is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the challenge before us here is to be refilled. Some of you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are walking in power. You have seen people get healed through prayer. You have seen miracles in your life. And you need to be refilled as we start this new year, this, this new resurrection day. For some of us here, you've never given your heart fully to Christ. And it's time to give your heart to Christ and really become a Jesus disciple to follow him. Not in your own power, but surrendering your life to him that he might fill you and he might empower you for the work that he has for you. We had a fire two years ago in Waldo Canyon. And I mean, it was scary. It was a big fire. Some of you are firefighters. You were involved in it. You were out there every day battling those blazes and house after house went up and explosions occurred. And we followed that all of us did, didn't we, on TV and radio. And, and I remember we were up in Monument, and we had binoculars. And one of my sons was playing baseball, and we could just see what appeared to us like rock rim was just being lit up. And then last year, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in one meeting after another, and, uh, and one of my staff runs in to tell me, dude, there is a, there is a, there is a uh, column of smoke coming up from Black Forest right where your house is. So we all jumped in our trucks and we drove, and it was right there where Black Forest fire started was a quarter of a mile north, um, if not closer, on that Falcon Drive uh, as, a, as a crow flies from our house. So it's just right there. We couldn't see the flames, but we almost could. And we just started evacuating stuff, and we got out of there. And then we know what happened. One of the great fires of Colorado happened last summer. So we've had a fire in Waldo Canyon, and we've had a fire in Black Forest. And I think we should make it our prayer that there be a fire of the Holy Spirit in Colorado Springs. That God would show up in our churches, that God would show up on our pastors, that God would show up on believers just like us right here, that we'd be filled with the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit. Why not start here? Part of my sermon was we were going to light these fires. I was going to have you stand. It was going to be really cool and everything. And it was so flipping cold that we went on and lit them. So sorry about that. But the sun's about to rise. And I want to give us a challenge here before we take communion. If you'd like to be refilled, filled with the Holy Spirit, or maybe for the first time give your heart to become a Jesus follower, would you stand with me right now? Just stand up. Amen To be filled with the Holy Spirit Fresh fire from the Holy Spirit To be refilled with the Holy Spirit Fresh fire from the Holy Spirit Do you stand? And then I'd like my guys Ben and Tom Would you guys come and grab these cards As you guys are standing We're going to take these as a sign of giving these areas over to the Lord.
And we're going to dump these in the fire. And then you guys, as I said earlier, there's pens and cards up here. So when you're taking communion, if there's something on your heart that you want to give to the Lord, you can do that. So we're going to put those in. Let's just dump those in the fire. These represent hundreds of you that have surrendered, surrendering stuff to the Lord. All right, you that are standing with me, would you just, just kind of put your hands out in a, in a posture of surrender? Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come across this group of Jesus' disciples. God, those that are longing for fire and, and re-surrender, or maybe for the first time giving their hearts to you, I ask you, Lord, to fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with your love. Fill them with your son, Jesus. Fill them with your power. Fill them with forgiveness. Fill them with mercy. Fill them with joy. Fill them with power to live a surrendered Jesus disciple life. To take all their thoughts and their hearts and their vision and their future and their passion and give it to you. And God, fill them. Anoint them. Empower them. God, come and make this, the rest of this year a year of the empowering of the Spirit as whole-hearted disciples of Jesus. Come, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Now let's all stand. Let's all stand. Let's sing this song, and then after this worship song, I'll come up and we'll take communion together. But let's first just worship.
Okay, guys, we're going to, Lord, we just ask you right now to take the, the juice and the bread. God, anoint it. Lord, even as some of us have made fresh commitments to you to follow you, to be filled with your spirit. God, as we take communion, would you bless this bread that represents the body of Christ? Would you bless this wine and juice that represents the blood of Christ? And God, Fill us with life, life through our bloodstream, through the power of your holy communion in your name. Amen. You guys, what we have here is the communion elements and the first cup that you have on the table is uh, grape juice. The cup behind is wine. And then what we want you to do is just come and you can dip the bread into the juice or the wine, whichever you choose, and take communion on your own. In the middle is for all of you that need gluten-free. So Jesus' body was probably gluten-free. <laughs> so there it is right there. So um, let me just make a note of this. It looks like a stone table, but it's very light. So try not to bump the table. So if you've got your kids with you, could you just kind of manage them so that they don't run into the table because it could tip over because it's not super steady. So um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to put the wine next to on the outer edge so you don't have to reach in as far for that. So Father, right now we just give this time to you and we bless you and praise you. Amen. So come on up, take communion.